and welcome to TV My Husband Hates. I'm Kat Sims. And I'm Regan Kempton. And we are reality TV addicts. Addicts, uh, aficionados. Ooh, I like that. Experts. Experts. Basically, we know our shit when it comes to reality TV. 100%. Hey, everybody, and welcome to our latest mini-sode where we discuss one of Netflix's Biggest lockdown successes after the Tiger King, which is too hot to handle. How you doing, Reagan? I'm good. I'm good. I found this show so addictive. I just like watched it straight through or watched, listened in one day. Yeah, I think I did it in a day. Yeah, easily. Now, in terms of sort of pushing you intellectually, this isn't really that show, is it? Not at all. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So if you're looking for kind of the equivalent of beach reading, but beach reading, if you were like really, really hungover and you needed something super simple, then this is kind of the TV equivalent of that, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, I, I took no notes. I just listened and enjoyed and my brain went on vacation. Yeah, and I think that's what it's about. And when we're living in lockdown, there's a lot to be said for a TV show that allows you to just vague out for, you know, nine hours. Absolutely, 100%. Um, So we're here to talk about Too Hot to Handle. The premise of the show is, in case you haven't watched it, and if you haven't watched it, you should probably press pause, go watch it and come back to it because there will obviously be spoilers. Yeah. But the premise of the show was obviously that they would put a ton of singles, horny singles on a beautiful luxury island tell them it's a dating game and then drop the bomb that they're not allowed to shag and not even or actually have any kind of i was gonna say like the sex the no sex rules were no kissing no sex no masturbating essentially no heavy petting they could cuddle but no hands on another like my life anyway (laughs) i mean they might as well just call it married island And it'd be funny if it wasn't so fucking true. Right. Um, (laughs) And it's not just like hot people. I think they're like all like hot people influencers. Like they all have millions of followers and like lead a quite active swiping, sliding into the DM life. Um, Which obviously is kind of a world that I really don't know anything about because I mean, obviously I've been on social media a ton. Yeah. I know it very, very well. But I wasn't really on it in my dating days. So no. for me, I mean, I don't know about you, because you're American, so you do like the dating thing. But when I was finding boyfriends, we didn't really date. We would like go out, get pissed, fancy somebody, snog them. And if they called you, then you might like meet up, get pissed and snog them again. And then eventually you'd be boyfriend and girlfriend. Like that's how we did it in the UK. Yeah. So this whole like social media sex thing, dating shit is so over my head. Yeah, no, I mean, I met my husband when I was 21. So as far as like online dating goes, there were a few like online dating sites and I did a couple of them, but it wasn't like sliding into people's DMs on Instagram. There was no swiping. There was none of those kind of dating apps when I was dating because that was fucking ages ago. But um, <laughs> but as far as dates go, I definitely did date, like meet up for dinner, like not just drunken snogs because, I mean, the drinking age here is 21. So like oh, yeah. the legal drinking part of dating, I mean, you could still drink when you were under 20, 21, like let's be honest. And most bars, if you were cute, didn't fucking care. But um, so it's just a different setup because of that. So yeah, I mean, it was like movies and bowling alleys yeah and I think the premise of this as well is that 
on these kind of influencers at that age are they're kind of it's a lot of sexy stuff that they're doing on social media anyway. You know, they're they're putting pictures oh, yeah. of themselves pretty naked up. You know, they don't care if they're in their underwear. You know, there's all that, which is fine. Power to you. Knock yourself out. I don't care. Yeah. But it's it means that there seems to be, I think the premise is that there's this disconnect between this kind of physical, external attraction and actually the real shit that's going on underneath all of that. Totally. I mean, I think these are very surface level sex kind of lifestyles and the premise is that these people really need to connect to deeper levels and so by taking sex completely off the table they're hoping they can do that and they do it with a variety of workshops like the fancy word for bondage workshop which I don't know what that is but it's like a practice that they do and then they have like the dude come in to get the men to like connect to their their inner love and you know things like that and get over stereotypes. That was like painting each other with mud and like spearing their fears and all of that jazz yeah i mean very touchy feely yeah woo woo stuff they did they really (laughs) dug up the most woo woo like hippie stones in their pockets guys that they possibly could um so it was and and the kids obviously and they are kids like they are well i think they are kids like we were talking about this and i just assumed they were in their 20s maybe some of them are older but they're basically small children and (laughs) they're basically our children But I mean, not really, here's the but. thing. I know that I was horny when I was 20. Fuck but yeah. I don't know if I was like so horny that if I'd been told I couldn't have sex for the week, I'd be like losing my shit. Maybe I'm just forgetting. I mean, I think you're probably forgetting a little bit. I mean, one week, no. Four weeks, I mean, I think, was it ever really discussed how long they were on this island? Was it a month? Do you know what? In my head, I feel like it's a month. Okay. So let's just say that we'll go with that. So four weeks, I mean, may have been pushing it, especially when you are surrounded by nobody wearing a full amount of clothes ever, other than Matthew from Colorado, who is like the very epitome of Colorado single dudes. Um, But yeah, so I mean, I don't know. I think put in that situation where it's hot and there's a beach and there's alcohol and nobody's wearing full clothes. I don't know if I could have gone four weeks in my 20s. Yeah, you're right. I'm very much looking at this through the eyes of my now like 38-year-old self with two kids. That's what I'm looking at it through. You're right. If I was there and there was a guy that I really fancied and we and there was like that that you know that thing yeah and there's absolutely no way I would have kept my hands off him no you can't deal with fizzy knickers for four weeks in your 20s no that's you can't even take care of yourself either like that's part of the rules is no touching yourself I mean the only thing that four weeks of fizzy knickers is going to lead to is a yeast infection (laughs) it should be yeast infection island then um, I actually thought at first, I was really skeptical of the premise. I thought, actually, is this actually doing anything? These guys, it's very normal in your 20s to be shagging yeah. around. Like we're just discussing, of course, we wouldn't be keeping our hands off each other. Is it the end of the world that these guys go through a period where of their life where all they want to do is shag each right. other? Um, but actually, when we saw them, I felt actually these are quite extreme cases of people who seem to just go from one to another to another to another to another. And then when we got to see their personalities, I was like, actually, these guys are kind of vacuous. Yeah. Like they do need they do need something unplugging or something breaking inside them to make them realize that there's more to this. Otherwise, they could run the risk of like just going dragging this habit into their 20s, into their 30s. Yeah, you know, ending up alone. And I definitely, I definitely think they picked people who this was like a problematic lifestyle, like that it was coming from a different place, not just like your normal twenties having fun. Like 
these are people who needed serious intervention. (laughs) And as much as the the workshops that they put them through were a bit woo-woo, they did seem actually to have quite a positive effect on them. Absolutely. I mean, even the one where the girls were just like looking at their their fannies with the mirrors and you know I think it was Chloe who kind of had a breakthrough and was like I never would look at it like I was really you know ashamed or self-conscious and I think that's I think it brought up the show brought up really interesting things about the way we all view our bodies and how we kind of open overcompensate for those feelings in different ways yeah and I thought it was really interesting that that exercise in particular led Francesca to suddenly realize that actually there is a sisterhood that she needs to accept, not just accept, but actually get involved in. Because I think Francesca was one of the ones, I actually I think Francesca and Harry, who did end up being a couple, right. were, were probably the two that really benefited from this the most. Absolutely. I totally agree. Because I think the Francesca that we saw come in was very badass, like no girlfriends. I picture she was the girl that hung with all the dudes, like didn't see a need for the girls. And it really rubbed the other girls the wrong way, definitely with Chloe and how, you know, she kind of really crossed a lot of boundaries and was very unapologetic for her behavior, which on some level is badass and like well done to be that self-assured. But also I think you're right. When she was part of that workshop, she did finally see a need to like connect with other women and kind of foster that part of herself because all we all have it. Well, and I wonder like Francesca's a beautiful girl, yeah. like knockout gorgeous. Right. And I just wonder if I know what girls are like. And I wonder if her experience of friendships and sisterhoods up until this point hasn't actually been that positive you know I think especially in your younger years if before you really know how beautiful you are if other girls are being mean to you because of jealousy or insecurities then I guess it could put you off that kind of absolutely like what wouldn't you just like maybe have one or two close girlfriends and wall you off from everybody else because you don't want to be hurt I mean at the end of the day that's where all these behaviors come from are is a defense mechanism for not being hurt, both the men and the women. Yeah. Um, and I and I actually really loved watching the arc of Francesca's relationship with Harry because Harry was hands down the most obnoxious, arrogant, immature person on the island, bar none. Absolutely. At the beginning. He was such um, a baby child in the beginning. He was like this enormously tall, overgrown toddler. Yeah. It was it was it was very like unattractive. Just cringe to what really unattractive. <laughs> yeah. um, and I guess that he, they, they sort of found each other kind of her, him and Frankie, what Frankie, Francesca found this kind of spirit animal vibe with right. each other. And I love that that could have gone the way of like dividing them, like them kind of perpetuating that terrible behavior. Right. But actually, in the end, they kind of both spurred each other on to 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 grow. Right. Well, and I think like. They definitely had that at the beginning because they kiss, they lose people money, they're very unapologetic about it, but then Harry doesn't own up to his side of it, so she gets pissed off. So then she then kisses, what's her name, Haley, who was fucking awful, by the way. Like, dark, dark soul We'll come soul back chick. to Haley. But yeah, so Francesca kisses Haley, loses more money just to get back at everybody, but then really kind of starts evaluating her feelings on that. And then kind of comes full circle. And at the same time, Harry is also like evaluating his feelings. And I think it was that workshop where he kind of did the spear that really kind of broke Harry and was like, I don't, I don't want to break the rules anymore. I really want to try to make like 
this whole experiment really work and get deeper. I know, I, I, I agree. And I really loved watching that because it gave you hope that actually, you know, eventually maybe even the worst of people can kind of come around and sort of make a change. But going back to the Haley thing, um, I thought that dynamic with her and Francesca was really interesting because what I found so interesting is that the people looking outside in thought that Francesca was the one yeah. masterminding that particular friendship. And actually, as we, from my point of view, as we watched it on the screen, I felt that Francesca was being manipulated heavily by Haley. A hundred percent. I felt it was fucking classic textbook mean girl bullshit. And I think like, not to diss on sororities, but it's always been my outlook that a lot of sororities are actually just really toxic places. Like they have a front of like being a sisterhood and being all uplifting to women, but it's actually really dark on the inside, like really gross hazing and just very, very mean. Cliquey. Yeah. Clicky. Yeah. Icky behavior. Yeah. And watching Haley, that confirmed my <laughs> suspicions. I mean, honestly, watching Haley, what it confirmed to me is that she's actually a, like sociopathic. Yeah. Like her, her response to this group was one of such fear like she just didn't want to be anywhere near it no. and the way that she manipulated Francesca into getting what she wanted out of her I honestly I've never seen anything more skilled in my life yeah. it was it was if it hadn't have been so awful it was actually kind of beautiful to see how well yeah, she manipulated yeah. her and then made it look she played this kind of dumb thing to make it look like it was the other way around and I you know, and, and Jesus was very much like, we've got the most manipulative girl and the most stupid girl. And I was like, you've got that all You've got their roles reversed. <laughs> totally <laughs> yeah. reversed. Although I don't think Francesca's stupid. No, but no. Haley was on another level yeah. terrifying. Yeah. Like, I think if she had been a woman in the 70s, she would have been a serial killer. Like, you can't get away with that shit now, but... No. She could have gotten but away I with it But I liked as 70s. well that the show kicked her off because that kind of, there was an element of it that made me think, actually, as much as this is cheeseball TV and it's all about just faking out for a bit, the show's actually really committed to trying to get people on here who it is going to make a difference yeah. for. Like, they could have left her and, and just let the bitchiness and the nastiness play out, which is great TV. Yeah. But they didn't. They were like, no, you know what? You're not right for this. You need to. Yeah, go. like, she, you're absolutely contributing nothing. You're actually tearing people apart. Like, this is not cool. What did you think about them having, like, an Alexa-like host? I really liked it. Uh-huh. Um, I figured it, it was a budget reason. Yeah. If I'm honest. Oh. You know, interesting. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's what I. That's what I figured it was at the end of the day. Right, it's right. Like it's a budget decision. <laughs> um, but I did quite like it because I felt like it. Um, it took a personality out of it, and I think it needed to be quite a. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like um, objective. I think she needed to be a very objective voice. Yeah. And in that, I think she was. Like almost a clinical, like observer, like no yeah. kind of personality put on these people. Exactly. There was nobody else there. It was just this kind of AI, kind of very big brother kind of thing, looking over them without putting any judgment on them. No, I think you're totally right. I, I didn't even clue into the budget reason, which makes total sense. But um, I just thought it was interesting <laughs> kind of having her collecting this information and really, you know, 
testing the limits and making sure that like when they got their little green lights on their wristband, it was because there was growth made and not just like bullshit. Like when Francesca went on that date with Kells and like, they were all like, Oh, we'll see if it's green. It's like, dude, that is not going to be green. Like, I don't think Kel. Uh, oh, was it Kels? Oh, she also went on a date with Corey, oh, didn't she? Yeah. Yeah. So like she went on the date with Kels when her and Harry were not in the better place. I and remember. then they got in the better yeah. place after that date. And then that fucking Corey twat at the end, she went on a date with him. But like, I was really proud of her by then when she was just like, I'm not into this for you. Like, this is not my thing anymore. Um, I mean, Corey came on and made made early Harry look like the most deepest, selfless, thoughtful oh person in the world. I mean, he was just disgusting. He was awful. Like, I felt bad for his mother, like, watching that yeah. and being like, holy shit, that's the son you raised. Fuck me. I tell you what, if it had been my son, I would have clipped him around the ear when Fuck he got yes. home. I don't care how old um, you are. I, I would still smack you in the face for making people think I raised you that way. Well, and the other thing, of course, is that Francesca and Harry are still together. They're currently living in lockdown together. So I love that. Yeah, no, I think it's really great. And I went and double-checked just to make sure that was, like, still current now. And I don't think they're living together. I think she's in Toronto and he's in L.A. from what I saw today. Oh. Um, but, um, but, yeah, no, they're still together. They're still going strong. And I think this filmed over a year ago. So I think their relationship— oh, really? Yeah, so this relationship is— you know, quite far along now. Like, they've been together since the show. Because the other couple um, that kind of kicked off right from the start is, of course, Rhonda and Sharon. Yeah. Um, Both really lovely. And Rhonda carried a secret with her for, like, three quarters of the way through that season. That was a massive bombshell. Like, I never expected her to reveal that she had a kid. No, me neither. I mean, I don't know if it's just a little bit of... um, I guess, judgmental twattery in me. But I sort of assume that if you had a kid, you wouldn't go on a on a TV program yeah. that took you away for a month. Right. Having said that, I clearly have no problems with my husband going away <laughs> on tour for a month. So then I sort of realized I was being a jackass. Right. I was like, look, if she wants to go away, she's not. She's leaving the kid with somebody who's looking after right, her. I think right. it's fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was with you. That was a real bombshell. And and I tell you what, I was really shocked at how Sharon responded to it yeah. as well. Well, I think he had definitely made some major growth by the time she told him. I think had she told him at the beginning, it would have been like a non-starter. I mean, I don't know. I'm oh, kind of pulling think? that out of my ass. But I think he had to kind of grow. And obviously she had to trust him as well. Like I really respect her for not just kind of bringing her kid along on all dates. I mean, do you know what I'm saying? Like, I respect yeah, yeah, the yeah. fact that she really wanted to keep kind of those two lives separate until she felt like Sharon was there. Um, and I'm really kind of bummed that they didn't make it. Like, do we know if they definitely didn't make it or they didn't make it because definitely of quarantine? Definitely didn't make it. Oh, that's a bummer because I really thought... But she's got somebody special in her life. Nice. But it's not Sharon. Oh, well, that's a bummer. But um, hopefully he still took some you know, hardcore lessons from that. I have a question for you. Who was your favorite cast member? You know, honestly, I really liked Rhonda from the beginning. I felt like she yeah. was real um, and like playful and fun and all that. But I feel like she had depth from the beginning of the show. So I liked her for yeah. that. I kind of liked everybody for different reasons. I liked Chloe just for making me fucking laugh. I loved Chloe. She was She's so like sweet. such a typical 
gorgeous Essex girl. And like, if you're in America listening, you might not know, but there's lots of connotations around people who are from Essex. Yes. Like generally they're not thought to be this, like the sharpest tools in the box. But actually, honestly, I think largely it's just the accent that, that makes them sound a bit thick. Yeah. It, it, but obviously she, she, I loved her self-deprecating nature. Yeah. I loved that she was really aware she didn't have book smarts, but she had real like wit and she had banter and she was clever in that way. Um, and I think her and David, I both, the kind of, not just because they were the Brits, yeah. but I did really like both of them as well. But I was with you. I loved Rhonda. I thought she was a really, you know, and I think once we found out she had a kid, yeah. it explained a lot of why she just seemed a bit more of a rounded, mature, Absolutely. kind of screwed yeah. on girl. Because she was. I um, mean, I actually liked quite a few of them for different things. And I like them at different times. Like, I really like yeah. Harry and Francesca for their growth by the end. Um, I liked Sharon because, like, at first we just got this dude who was super proud of his massive dick. But then, like, we learned <laughs> there was some depth to him. Um, I thought David was a little wet. Like, he was really sweet. Oh, he was. But I kind of, I, he needed to, like, man up and kind of balls yeah. out. I hated Haley from the beginning. Matthew, I felt like, was just your typical hippie dude who doesn't want to commit from Colorado. There are a dime a dozen here. I just can't stand the pretension with no, guys like that. No, like it, and it is pretension. It's like I'm just gonna be this dude that's like super deep. Yeah. Anybody who has to say I'm really deep, it's like you're not, you're not. deep. No, you're not deep. Deep people and don't say I that. I just can't bear. I went out with a guy for when I was younger, like one of my first boyfriends, yeah. who was like this guy who did th this was his shtick, right? And it feels like a shtick. It is it's a like, shtick, dude. You don't need the costume. You don't need the hair. Yeah, you can. You can look any way you like and be smart and deep thinking. This is just, I don't buy into it. Yeah. So I was glad when he left. Yeah, me too, because it was kind of boring. Like, I just, he wasn't connecting with anybody. I mean, he seemed like a nice enough dude, like, through the workshops to the other dudes, but I I don't know. I felt it was all bullshit. Um, it's all bullshit. I tell you who I did like. I loved fucking Kells, the accountant, like, getting pissed every time somebody <laughs> spent money. He was like... And, I, and then when he was on that date with Francesca, I was like, dude, you know you'd kiss her if she went for it right now. Absolutely. So don't get, don't get your panties in a twist because somebody else is spending money. No, I was kind of bummed there was nobody he really connected with because I would have liked to see more of that side of him versus just the dude who was super anal retentive about the money at the end. Like, I almost felt like that took away from his experience. Like, he was so focused on the prize money that he wasn't really there to do the other, the other work, if that made sense. Yeah, no, totally. And I feel a bit the same way for Bryce as well, who turned up second day. Like he's like, I, at first I couldn't bear him, but then he really did grow on me. Yeah. Cause I think after a while they come in, first of all, like walls up, show face on. Yeah. Ego's out. Well, naturally it, it starts to break down. And I, the more Bryce broke down, the more I realized he's just a sweet guy who just probably never really gets the girl. That's yeah. kind of how I felt about him. Totally. Um, and then the Irish girl, whose name I can't even remember. Her name was Nicole. And I quite liked her, Nicole. but again, I don't feel like we saw enough of her. Like, she was everybody's no, friend. She, she was, like, friend-zoned from the beginning. 
Yeah, she didn't really connect with anybody. And and it was a shame because I felt like the interviews showed that she was kind of fun. Yeah, but and sweet. It was really it was really a numbers game. And if you didn't find somebody that you connected with, then you weren't going to get any airtime. No, and that's kind of why I think Matthew left. Like, there wasn't anybody he connected with. And I kind of respected his choice for leaving. Like, I'm not really going to get anywhere out of this. It's not really hard for me to go without sex here. And I think that was... Showed a little more depth to him, but again, glad to see him out. So then they bring on Lydia, Corey, and Madison, who I was 100% going to write off all of them right from the fucking beginning because they had been told the deal before they came on, and they were literally just there to, like, tempt the shit out of people. Yeah. Corey, I thought, was a dick. Again, we've touched on him. Um, Madison was just kind of boring, like the California stylist. But I really she was cheap. Yeah, but I really liked Lydia because, like, even though she had been told all this, she went in and like got so much out of it. And like, I'm guessing the last week. Yeah, they, I think they were in there for the last week. I have to say, like, and I know I'm probably a little biased, but I think the Brits came off this pretty well. Yeah, totally. Like, I think I think Lydia. I'm with you. I think she came on, gave it the best shot. I don't know whether it's because. Um, I mean, this feels, this whole show felt very Love Island, yeah, yeah. which is a big show here. I think you've started it in the last year in yeah, the US I think it, Yeah, I think it was US a version. Yeah, I need to look that up and maybe need to watch it. Um, but we've been doing it now for four or five years, and, and it's been one of the biggest TV successes of uh, ITV's history. And of course, it's been plagued with all sorts of controversy as well. There's been a number of contestants who've committed suicide. And of oh, course, my. Very recently, towards the end of last year, the host, Caroline Flack, also committed suicide. Jesus. So it's been plagued with controversy. Yeah. Um, but the concept of the show itself was very like this, in as much specifically as the narrating style. And we had a lot of time for the narrator. I remember when we discussed oh my first, gosh. we were like, she is amazing. She was amazing. On this show, her name is Desiree Birch. Uh, you can follow her at Des the Ray. She's a former dominatrix turned comedian. I love her already. An American, but she lives in London. So like I connect with her oh. on many different levels. But um, Well, maybe her. we'll see if we can get her on the podcast. I'd like to. I'm gonna I'm gonna message her and try to try to get her on because she's hilarious. And I'd love to kind of hear her thoughts on being the narrator and watching this and like how she felt about everyone. I'd love to get her insights. Well, and on Love Island, the narrator is a guy called Ian Sterling, again, a comedian. Um, and and the style is very, very similar. Just like kind of gentle piss taking yeah. the contestants, saying what we're all thinking, right. but in this kind of sharp-witted way. Um, these kind of ongoing running jokes that happen. Uh, and it was really, it's a really nice way to kind of recognize that even the show is saying, we're taking the we piss. don't need to take these guys too seriously. Yeah, yeah. No, I like that. So speaking of shows that this reminds us of. So this show reminds me of a show here in the US called Temptation Island, which is quite similar. However, it's all about like couples going to an island filled with singles to tempt their relationship. I mean, I think it's the fucking worst idea ever if you're in a relationship. That sounds like a, that sounds like a terrible idea. And we started watching a little bit of it. And even my husband watched a little bit and he was like, holy shit, like this is almost a dark hole of reality TV. And I was like, yeah, I don't know about this, but I may give it another go and just see if it I think I might give it a this. go. I wonder if I can get it. I'm pretty sure I can get it on Prime or Netflix yeah, or something. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you can. But um 
Yeah, overall, I I enjoyed it for its absurdity, but also enjoyed kind of the real issues that this show brings up about society and sex and self-worth and all of that good stuff. I agree, and I think as well, like, actually, you know, I think the show could learn a lot from itself, and maybe if it comes back for a second season, perhaps push some of that a little bit more. Yeah, I feel like... The work they did was great and the changes that we saw was amazing were amazing. But actually I do feel it was, you know, it's the first season, so they only made it a certain amount of episodes. But they were there for a month. Yeah. And I feel like we could have got a lot more of interesting footage out of them if the show had kind of worked them a bit harder, yeah. pushed them a bit further. Well, and maybe almost go through a period of really trying to match people up, like when you're casting, like who you think will go for who. Because I I really think there was obviously nobody there for Matthew. I mean, I could walk outside and probably pick out a girl for Matthew in Colorado. Like a yoga, like spiritual sex goddess Matcha or whatever. Latte. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I think you yeah. need to try to be cognizant of picking people who you think will maybe go for each other. Yeah, I mean, or maybe or do switch the Love Island thing, which is where they, the Love Island thing where they make them choose somebody, like initially just on looks, yeah. who they are coupled up with for that week and they have to sleep in the same bed as that person um, and they sort of hang out with that person and sort right, of get to right. know them. So maybe do it a slightly different way. But I did love the concept and I think it's definitely got legs for it to to come back. Yeah. Um, but having said that, there's lots of shows. There's Temptation Island, there's yeah. X on the Beach, there's Love Island. Yeah. You know, is this a show that's good enough to kind of push those out the way? Maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think there's probably room for all of these shows. Uh, I'm sure that, I'm sure, I don't know. I would I would say I'm sure they'll pick it up for a second season, but I'm not sure. It's like number, Yeah. it was number one here for a while, um, but every all of the reality TV groups on Facebook are really like down about it. Like, no, it's super garbage. Like we don't need to watch it. And I feel like that's kind of the marketing downfall of it because like you're not expecting the personal growth or the real look at like where these behaviors come from. Um, I think only if you watch it, you see that, but it's definitely not marketed that way. Well, and there's also the lockdown effect, right. you know, how much, how much would this TV show have got any kind of recognition or following watching if we weren't all fucking trapped in our houses with nothing else to do? Um, so I suspect they might not bring it back, but I'm glad that it came. And I think it's, I think you're right. I think it's marketed badly because there is actually a lot more depth to it than you, you initially assumed. Totally. Um, so I think that's us for Too Hot to Handle, isn't that it? That is us for Too Hot to Handle. If uh, you guys are watching anything that you would like us to talk about, again, just let us know. DM us, email us at hey at tvmyhusbandhates.com. Messages from our brand new website that's all up and running. You can contact us there. You can literally contact us anywhere. So hope you guys are staying safe and enjoying fantastic TV while you're in lockdown. That's it. Remember, smart people watch reality TV too. Bye. Bye-bye. Please subscribe, rate, and review TV My Husband Hates wherever you listen to your podcast. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at TV My Husband Hates and join the Facebook group to keep the conversation going when the podcast ends. If Twitter's your thing, you'll find us at TV Husbands Hate. Theme music and production for TV My Husband Hates is by Jimmy Sims. Yeah.